I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Madigan, and this is my friend. Haley. And you're listening to Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. I like how we both have our arm I know, like that's <laughs> All right, you guys. So obviously, Keegan is not here with us today. So I thought it would be kind of fun to have my, my dear old friend Haley here come chat with me. Yeah. Haley is my I'm boyfriend's sister. <laughs> that is Just correct. to in- introduce Haley. What is your star sign? Aries. Okay. But I know nothing about I, mean, I don't know, I know anything that about Aries. Apparently, we always want to be number one, which I feel okay. like is like... Yeah, you're a ruthless bitch. A, I can see it. It's a, <laughs> I'm clearly... I feel like it's such a weird spin on just like saying you just want to succeed. Yeah. Like everyone. Yeah. Well, mine is like, I'm a cancer. And so it's like, they're super emotional. Hermits want to stay at home, mm-hmm. which like... It's me. But <laughs> at the same time, it's like... Will be that too. They're over-emotional beings, and I guess I can't argue with it. It's pretty, it's pretty spot Right. On, I feel like we all have a little bit of it. Yeah. I feel like that's one of those things, especially in L.A., that of like everything. when you're meeting somebody, they're like, what's your star sign? Oh, my God. You know, sometimes I find myself asking it, and I just want to slap myself. Because <laughs> I'm like, why did that come? That's why? not who I am. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Like, why am I saying that? <laughs> Well, you guys, I've talked about Haley a couple times on the episode. We talked about her movie Pimp that came out earlier this year. And I think I mentioned Light as a Feather, too, when it came out. But I don't remember. I don't remember either. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. But that's the Haley that I was talking about. She's lovely. She's in my living room. My dog is chewing on a bone on the bed so she doesn't attack Haley the entire time. Look at her. She's a cool lady. Look at her being cute. (laughs) So usually today we would have a What's in the News episode but with Keegan being out of town and I'm in charge, I decided that we would do something a little bit different. Um, Haley and I both really, really love like the golden era of Hollywood mm-hmm. stuff. Haley is an actress. I was an actress once upon a time. We both love all this kind of stuff. So we're going to talk a little bit about like the not so golden part of the golden era yes. of Hollywood. Um I love so, that you used once upon a time too. Once that was upon so a old time. fashioned. Oh, once upon a time. So. I used to dabble in the acting business, (laughs) I tell you, darling, it was fabulous. Okay, so 1927-28 were seen as like the beginning of the golden era of Hollywood. We're kind of getting out of silent films and we're Mm -hmm. going into the talkies. Mm -hmm. I want to get into the talkies. You finished. (laughs) Yeah, there (laughs) you go. (laughs) We're getting into the talkies. So there was something called the Big Five, which were the Big Five studios. And as I was researching this, I was like, all of my film history classes from college started like rushing back to me and like tests. 
Yeah, I had like PTSD this morning, or I was like, "Oh, exams!" Um, <laughs> like, "Oh, wait, I won't have one." <laughs> yeah, thank God, thank God, this is nothing like exams. Um, so the main five studios were RKO, MGM, Universal, Warner Brothers, and 20th Century Fox. And then from there, it's kind of like gone into other studios and things for how we know them today. But back in the day, the studios kind of like ruled everything in Hollywood, and they like completely owned their actors as well Mm -hmm. like you signed a contract and it was like everything that you did Mm -hmm. was very much watched over right which is funny because i I feel like actors a lot of times now complain about being you know feeling owned by their job and and it's such a funny complaint because back in the day well i mean you can still complain about it like i get it like i would still be pissed off about that kind of stuff too but (laughs) yeah it's interesting because like I, when I was little, so everybody who listens know that knows that I'm obsessed with Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. Literally every article I looked up for this episode mm-hmm. had Judy she Garland in it. And I was just it's like, tragic. I know, but I was like, God, I already talk about her so much. And now I'm going like, to talk up. about her again. It's of fine. Um, and then, so when I was growing up, I very much like idolized the studio system a lot because I was like, you go to school on the lot and you do like you're with all these other actors and they're walking around like in their costumes all day. It's beautiful and organized. Doesn't it? Especially Mm -hmm. like how it's portrayed in the movies. Mm -hmm. It looks really glamorous and beautiful. And there, I don't know, I I feel like before you really learn the bad parts of it and you know you're young and you just think oh a studio yeah basically you know they picked you up they got you yeah but it is they own you it's crazy yeah but it it does even every time i'm on the paramount lot i feel like i can just picture like audrey hepburn yeah walking away from like just signing her contract that's the craziest thing about going on studio lots is that you very much like put yourself back into that space. Like I worked on Sony yeah. and I walked past the soundstage where they did the Munchkinland scene and was it? Oh my gosh. Yes. And it was just like, Oh my God, this is so cool. Isn't it insane? I love it. It's so cool. But you know, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of downsides to it. Um, they would hire spies mm-hmm. for people to like watch after their stars. So, Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland, for those of you who don't know about Mickey Rooney, what are you doing with your life? (laughs) Um, He was like Judy's best friend. They did the Andy Hardy movies together. He worked until he was like almost in his 90s when he died. Like he played that role in Breakfast at Tiffany's that you could never do now. Yeah, I know. There you go. More problematic Hollywood stuff. It's horrible. (laughs) It's so bad. I have never actually seen that whole movie. Really? No. I've seen the beginning a bunch. I know. Have you read the book? No. You Should I read the book it. first? Yeah, why not? It's short. Okay, I can it's do nice. that. I can it's do lovely. that. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were besties. They did most of their movies together. And Louis B. Mayer, who is the head of MGM, basically hired this these spies. And Mickey Rooney like caught on right away. And he was like, you're not my friend. Mm-hmm. But Judy became really, really close with this woman, Betty Asher, who was her spy. And there's even rumors that they were sexually involved, Mm. which was news to me. Wow. Yeah, apparently Betty Asher was a lesbian and would, like, use that as a way of, like, getting close to the Mm -hmm. people that she spied. She also spied on Artie Shaw and Lana Turner. Wow. And so Judy and Artie Shaw were an item while Artie Shaw and Lana Turner were an item. You following? Catch mm. my drift? Yeah. So, and Judy was like 16. She's like just getting done with Wizard of Oz. She's seen as this like. Which I can't believe she was that young. Still, I know. Every time. That I was hear her 16th it, birthday. I, it's crazy. Ugh, wow. But like, so she's like this young, young girl and she's dating this like man. And the studio is like, that can't happen. So it's, set, it's said that like her spy kind of like got between everything and made sure that Artie and Lana ended up together and they ended up getting married, breaking Judy's heart. And then Judy slept with his best friend. Naturally. <laughs> Naturally, right? They all, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, but they were they were really, really close, Judy and her spy, Miss Betty mm-hmm. Asher. So it was really upsetting to her when she found out that she was, in fact, a spy. Can you imagine that? I can't, no. Can the you, betrayal. Like imagine like one of your best friends... And having it come out that they were actually just there to like get information on you. No, I mean, but but the 
yeah, I think that comes up a lot in the entertainment. It's true. I mean, there's a lot of people where it's like they're friends for certain benefits or things. And it's Mm -hmm. always like the sources and people magazine where they're like, a source says that they like, who is the source? I know. (laughs) It's just somebody who's like my second wife's cousin once removed is do they call do rihanna they like i don't know <laughs> no it's just it's absolute <laughs> bullshit there's no way it's real yeah. so head of columbia pictures harry Cohn, who you'll hear about a lot who's a bitch <laughs> i don't like him he planted listening devices throughout the studio to keep tabs on his employees and even in their dressing rooms oh yeah and you would say like one bad thing and then He'd be like, you fired. He would Donald Trump their asses. And you're like, how did you know? And then, because there's listening devices. Wow. Remember that cult that I told you about that of the woman that I used to work for? Yes. He would do the same thing where he said that he was psychic, but he really just had like listening devices everywhere. Got it. It's crazy. So their full control kind of went, be- went beyond the spies as well. Like I was talking about earlier with Judy and Artie Shaw kind of being in a relationship. They had a lot of control over like who married who and who was with who so mickey rooney again mickey rooney and judy garland are fucking all over every article it's crazy (laughs) but he was kind of like judy he was like the boy next door to her girl next door Mm -hmm. and he was a playboy he Mm -hmm. was definitely like he got around he got around a lot with like some gorgeous women and he was kind of like this little boy looking man and like, I'm here to, for some laughs, huh? Like, that's Mickey Mouse, right, but whatever. Right. <laughs> They're both Mickey. It's fine. But he <laughs> was with Ava Gardner, and we're got back to Louis yeah. Mayer. What do you have to say about Ava Gardner? I'm just like, wow. Oh, I thought ups. you like. I thought you had like. She's beautiful. Ava Gardner. I know, right? And so it got back to Louis Mayer that he was going to marry her, and Mayer was like, I forbid it. And so they got into this huge fight. Apparently, everyone can hear in his office that they're having this huge fight. Well, Mickey was victorious, and he did end up marrying Ava Gardner along with, like, 12 other women in his lifetime. Not 12, but it was still a lot of women. (laughs) Um, But then, like, he still, like, Mayer definitely really, really tried. And I I think when it comes to men especially, they could say no a little bit easier or fight back, where with the women at this time, they couldn't really fight back as much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... And even when you just think about down to the wardrobe that they wore in their day-to-day lives, I mean, women were expected to wear the nice tight dresses, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the strict yeah. waists. And Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's the other thing. And they're thing walking is around that, power like, suits. Oh, I know. I mean, that's the thing is that they're so... We're going to, like, talk about drugs in a bit, but, like, my God... You would go through like an assembly line when you went to the studio. Mm-hmm. They would put you and be like, "Okay, we're going to change your hair. We're going to like Judy Garland wore like discs in her nose mm-hmm. um, to make it like point up more." They called her the Hunchback or the Little Pig with braids and things like that. Oh my gosh! And they would like give her a super low calorie diet. But like basically, everybody went through this like assembly line of like molding to what they were supposed to be like a factory totally so if you were supposed to be a sex symbol you had to be a sex symbol in every aspect of your life Mm -hmm. and you had to constantly look that way talk that way behave that way but then on the flip side if you were this little girl and portraying this little girl you couldn't be getting married having kids going out partying any of that kind of stuff you were expected to still behave as like this young Mm -hmm. girl or whatever so Another thing that was a really big no in the industry was, of course, being gay. (laughs) So there's a lot of gay men in the world. There's Mm -hmm. especially a lot of gay men in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm going to mention Judy Garland. I should be like having tick marks of how many times (laughs) she's mentioned. My God. So she married Vincent Minnelli, Mm -hmm. who was a director. They met on Meet Me in St. Louis. Had Liza. Mad Liza, exactly. <laughs> and they're like, why is she a gay icon? Gee, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Must be in her blood. I don't get it. Um, so they got married, and apparently Vincent was actually out when he was in New York, and he was doing plays, but then when he came to Hollywood, he had to go like back in the closet. So I guess word didn't travel as fast then. I guess not. <laughs> or like maybe like playwrights and movie producers right. didn't like run in the same circles. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But apparently, like, there's people who say, like, oh, yeah, Vincent, he had a boyfriend. And, like, he was out 
doing gay stuff. I don't know. Like, and then went to Hollywood and he had to like shut all that down. But uh, the studios would set them up with women to kind of like cut down on speculation of Mm -hmm. what they were doing. Um, Do you know who Rock Hudson is? I didn't look it up. Yes. Okay. So I do, but apparently he's gay. Was gay. Yeah. And he married a woman for appearances, but it was known in like the inner circles of Hollywood that he was gay. Mm -hmm. So he was married for like the media, but like everybody else knew that he was gay. Wow. I don't, who is he? He's an actor, but I don't know. Like I know his name, but I don't know like his his specific movies. Okay. So there's nothing off the top of your head that you would like know him from. No. Okay. Honestly, I feel like I follow the, the women of old Hollywood. Yeah, more than men, except for like Henry Fonda. But for me, it's like Gene Kelly, Mickey Rooney. Right, they were my favorite. Frank Sinatra, Frank Sinatra, Gene Kelly. I had such a crush on him. Oh my god, he can tap dance his way into my (laughs) pants any day. Um, (laughs) So apparently, Cary Grant was by. Oh, uh, this is what uh, this is all speculation. By Mm -hmm. the way, this is the internet telling me things. But apparently. He was bi, he married five women, but apparently would still have, like, affairs with men on the side. It's amazing. I know. I mean, and you it go, just man. goes to show to, to all the people who raise any sort of issue with that topic that, you know, humans have been humans forever. Exactly. And just, come on. I know. Okay, it's program. true. <laughs> I mean, like, the the one thing here is that it's, like... I mean, yes, they were, they were closeting them, and that's horrible. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, just marry a woman, then do whatever you're going to do. Right. Just, yeah. like, don't get caught. We don't want to know about it. It's but... like the don't ask, don't tell of Hollywood. Definitely. Yeah. So do you know who William Haynes is? No. I didn't either. So he was an actor, and he was with MGM. He had a long-term boyfriend, but when Mayor wanted him to get married he was to a woman he was like no i won't do that so he got fired and then he became one of the most like in-demand interior designers of the golden era of hollywood and he remained with his partner until 1973 when he died wow isn't that beautiful i love that did he go on to interior decorate oh probably every star's home in the world probably that's wonderful yeah it sounds like he was like a pretty in-demand dude um i just remember that i'm in my bra right now suddenly it was like, hot in here I, yeah you're in like a turtleneck right now i have a sweat stain too i don't know what's happening to me i'm hitting early menopause or something it's <laughs> awful um boop 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 so they controlled who they were with who they married another thing they controlled were whether or not they had a baby so there was a lot of like forced abortions during this time. Yeah. And I didn't Within know. Within the studio? Um, yeah. Like the control of the studio would like set it up and they had like studio hospitals and stuff a lot mm-hmm. of times. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that Judy Garland had had an abortion till I was much older, till I was like an adult. I had never heard those stories. But so her mom is like the OG stage mom, like crazy stage mom. And she actually set up the two abortions because Louis B. Mayer had told her to do so. So, yeah, her mom's crazy. So she was married to David Rose, who was her first husband. And this was she was still young. She was probably only like 18 years old. She was probably just legal for her to get married. Mm. And she got she got married. She got pregnant. And apparently she got pregnant twice. And had two abortions because they she was still so young and playing these like young girl roles. Like she played Esther in Meet Me in St. Louis when she was 21. Wow. So it's like she had to kind of keep that like young look. Mm-hmm. So they made her get abortions, which is wrong. I mean, I even know this is a way smaller scale, but I even know girls now who won't post about an engagement or anything or like what they're up to in their personal life because they keep, they want to play younger still. Really? Mm -hmm. That's so weird to me. Yeah. My friend John, or uh, he's not really a friend anymore. I haven't spoke to him in years, but I went to college with this guy and he became the blue Ranger on the Nickelodeon show power Rangers, like right after he graduated from college and he was like married and all that kind of stuff. And I wonder if there was something like he never didn't post about it. Yeah. But I wonder if that's like a thing if you're on like kids TV shows where they want you to like stay young, remain young. Okay, so another lady who was forced to get an abortion was Jean Harlow, 
And she, I guess, had checked into a hospital under another name and was said to have had a quote-unquote appendectomy to Mm. cover rumors. So it was like, she's in the hospital, something's not right, but Mm -hmm. it isn't. It's It's like when TMZ says they're there for emotional stress or what is it? Dehydrate. No, yeah, yeah, dehydration. Emotional stress and dehydration. I just remember when Selena Gomez was going to like rehab or whatever you want to call it, where it was like, she's just tired. She's emotionally... um, exhausted or whatever and i'm like i think that was before she came out with having lupus right so maybe that was a cover-up for Mm -hmm. lupus yeah but there's definitely a lot of that definitely where they cover it do you remember when um the first speculation of demi lovato cutting herself came out no because i remember that vividly because i self-mutilated when i was younger so i could like spot that shit out from like a mile away and so she took this photo she's in a short sleeve dress and she's holding her skirt out like a curtsy and you can Mm. see these like slash marks on her arms and they said it was from like hair ties Mm -hmm. and i was like no i'm a woman i mean this could be a good opportunity to speak on something that can help other people but she was in disney right disney is totally still in that like world i feel like oh yeah have you ever worked for Disney? I have not. Okay. And I, I honestly never wanted to. Yeah, Even when I was little, I mean, I loved watching the Disney Channel. I loved watching Boy Meets World and Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. And, See, um, that was like my dream when I was little. It's like I wanted to be one of those actors. It's like I loved watching it, but I didn't want to do it because I somehow saw, even when I was little, that some of them had a hard time breaking out of it. Yeah, that's and I true. I think that just scared me. Yeah. I don't think it's like that anymore. I think it's more... It's starting to be more accepting. Like, if you look oh, at, like, yeah. Dove Cameron. It's very um, appealing. Yeah. No, but more appealing I totally... Than- I mean, I when I moved out to L.A., a lot of people were like, you're going to be that person. So I was like, okay, I have to... Same thing. Like, I have to, like, look young forever and be young and that whole thing. And that was a mind fuck for me because I was also like, but I'm old and mature and I'm going to date a guy <laughs> eight years older than me and it's going to be great. <laughs> it was not great. Spoiler alert. Um, so Jean Harlow was like we were saying earlier, if you're a sex symbol, you have to be a sex symbol in like every part mm-hmm. of your life. So they don't want to fuck a mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people do this whole genre of porn about it, but <laughs> apparently back in the day, they did not want a sex symbol to be a mother. So right. she was forced to have abortions because of it. Man, that's so terrible. Isn't that sad? Can you imagine? Like, I feel like in Judy's case, like, she was really young and definitely manipulated and definitely she should have made that choice for herself. But, like, can you imagine, like, actually really wanting a child and then... And having somebody control you. Yeah, and having somebody say, no, "No, you can't. No, I can't imagine that. For the sake of your career. So... And I'm going to touch on this like briefly because the the story that I didn't know about that I texted you about the other day, Mm -hmm. I want to talk about. So Mm -hmm. first of all, Joan Crawford also went through this and she, I guess, was having an affair and lied to her husband saying that she had tripped on a cruise ship and miscarried. I don't know. There was something weird there. But do you know about Loretta Young? What about her? Okay. So she was an actress and she was raped by Clark Gable on the set of called the wild well i used to be obsessed with clark gable i once had a cat i fostered a cat that didn't have a name and i called him gable (laughs) after clark gable and so she never realized that what happened to her was rape because she believed like so many women do that we are supposed to be it's our moral obligation to keep men in line Mm -hmm. like if men make advances at us that's that's on us that's our fault it's not the fault of the man so she had never seen it that way, but she got pregnant and she was like a devout Catholic. So her mother and sister helped her come up with a plan to keep her pregnancy hidden. So she traveled abroad for most of the pregnancy to stay out of the media and then came back to LA to give birth. She got gave birth to a daughter named Judith Young mm-hmm. and she named after St. Jude, Aww. which is like the patron saint of like, like, unfortunate instances or something like Mm -hmm. that like it's such it's kind of a weird thing but whatever that's the meaning yeah um but then she put her daughter in an orphanage for 19 months and then uh and then made it like she adopted her wow isn't that bonkers what yeah plan i know it's diabolical 
Did it work? Yes. People believed it. It wasn't until like years later she opened up to her son's uh, wife. Wow. And told her all this. Because I read this article originally a couple years ago. And I was like, my dreams are crushed. Clark Gable is a rapist Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But didn't know about all the other stuff. I just knew about like his allegations and things like that. Wow. But the story is, can you imagine having a baby and then putting it up for adoption for like, or in an orphanage or like elsewhere for 19 months? No, I can't. And and mainly because society is judging you. You're afraid of what society will think. Exactly. And what these studio heads have ingrained in you. And she wanted to keep her job. Like, that's it. She's just like, right. I need to keep my job. So this is what I'm going to She wanted do. both and she found a way to have both. But exactly. she had to go through really crazy hoops. But that at, is like, insane. What cost? Mm-hmm. That sounds insane. Mm-hmm. Shut up, person outside. <laughs> um, so then she, Loretta Young married this guy, Tom Lewis, and then Judith took his last name. So she was Judith Lewis. So Great name. Getting right, I like the name Jude. Yeah. Maybe because cool. it reminds me of both Judy Garland and Hey Jude. Yeah, ooh, that's cool. I know, right? I like that. I'm a smart one. <laughs> I love names so much. Good. <laughs> names are my favorite. So we were already kind of touching on sexual abuse, and this is something. So when Keegan and I first started the podcast about a year ago, it was right when like the Weinstein stuff came out. Mm-hmm. Our first episode is called "Expose Your Pig" um, because there was a whole I can't remember what country it was in. I'm definitely not quoting myself on this very well, but there was a country where it was another language and it was like Latin or something for expose your pig. Mm -hmm. And it was about like the whole me too movement and talking about your abusers and things like that. And I think that a lot of people, um, it, it came to the forefront that this was happening a lot in this day and age. But then I think we forget how much that went on back in the day. Like there's a reason that there's the term, the casting couch. Oh yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There is a reason um, so the casting couch, for those of you who don't know, I'm sure you all know, is like an exchange for like sexual favors for a job or right. like a good role or things like that. And it is, and I love how on, on Wikipedia, it's like, it refers to the couches in the office of the casting directors. I'm like, right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank for you for that. spelling that out for me. Which is funny because I've, I've had one almost i mean it was it was like it was a casting couch attempt which i think is still I a was casting ask couch you this. i think it's still a casting couch yeah even if it's an attempt yeah so i have this meeting with this producer who is you know he's a this guy who's kind of um been handed a lot i okay. guess you'll say in okay. life yeah older man um, oh, good. And so, and so, yeah, older, old older white man who daddy said, here's everything. How old were you at this time? Um, 17. Okay. But I mean, like, still too fucking young. Yeah. But yeah. So my parents were very protective and, and yeah. watched out for all of that. And I would not go to a party alone. I would either have Max, my older brother there, or... Um, you know, my manager's assistant or something like yeah, someone who would come there. off as a friend, but someone who could protect me too. Yeah. And so I'd met this guy in a meeting uh, once and, you know, you just think, oh yeah, that's a successful guy. Sure. But immediately at this one party when I was 17, I I felt this really just creepy feeling about being around him and he yeah. asked for a picture and, and like, I'm, yeah, I'm 17 sure. and I'm just thinking, okay, well, I mean, he's going around taking pictures with everyone. I guess, sure. Like, yeah, 17, didn't know what to say. So I take a picture with him. As the picture's being taken, he picks me up <gasps> and brings me into his chest, like cradles Stop. me and holds me. And I'm just like, okay, okay, put me down. Okay. Cut to the next day. It's his Facebook profile picture. I'm no. 17. Yeah. This guy's like in his late 50s. Tell my dad. My dad messages him. He's like, hello, That's I'm her father. Please take this down. The creepiest thing but I've ever heard. But cut to, he wants to have a meeting with me. Of course he does. Again, yes. So what did your dad say to After that? all of this. Brian's To like, the photo no. or the meeting? To the meeting. Well, I, I talked to my manager about it and I said, I will go because he works for a company that makes really good movies, but I'm not going alone. You're coming with me. Yeah. And... We know, you know, we know what he's up to. He's a creep. You know, yeah. I don't know if he's ever acted on anything. Right. But. 
but clearly there's something wrong with this guy. Yeah. So I get there. I have my manager with me. He walks out. Your How, manager walks out? No, no, my, oh, no, no. This, like, this, no. This producer walks out to come get me for the meeting, is shocked that I have my manager there, confused. It's like immediate, just like weird old man insecurity. Yeah. Like, and he says, I'm sorry, we don't take managers <gasps> into meetings. And my manager looks at me and she's like, are you, are you okay? I mean, she speaks on sexual abuse a lot. Yeah. And I, I respect her for that. Um, so she's, she's very on top of it. And she looks at me like, are you okay? And I'm yeah. like, you know what? I'm okay. This guy knows right now that I know what he's up to. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. So he's not going to try to get away with anything. No, no. But, but in the meeting, <laughs> Slowly his shirt starts to unbutton. <gasps> no. As just casual I don't know what he's doing. Just little like boop, boop, boops on his on his little buttons. Stop. And I'm feeling okay because there's a window there where people are walking by, but I see what he's putting out there. Yeah. He's sending you messages like I'm the person that's in control. I have the power mm-hmm. position here. I'm going to do this and I know it makes you feel uncomfortable, but there's nothing that you can do about it because Mm -hmm. who's going to listen to you? And from then on, I just, I acted like I wanted nothing to do with his company and what he was pitching. Good. (laughs) That's good. My God, people are such creeps. Yeah. God, man. It's one of those those stories where you're just like, do I say I'm sorry? But what am I apologizing for? Oh my God. And it's like crisis averted, but also think of all the girls that, don't have a parent coming out with them. I mean, yes, I've had I've manager, had friends who are anybody. 17 who come out here alone. Yeah. And who's looking out, you know? Nobody. Hopefully you make good friends that do. My god. Yeah, and that's the thing is like you're in a business meeting, you're when you're an actor and you're young, you're you're asked to be professional and you're at, and you're told to say yes to things and mm-hmm. go along with things where you think that you're a grown-up even when you're not. And mm-hmm. you know, 18 legally you're an adult you're not a grown-up yet 17 Mm -hmm. you're not like you can't always know what's going on and know what's safe and what's not so the fact that you knew right away that there was something going on that wasn't good is amazing because i think i totally would have been swayed i would have just like i would have been crushed i wouldn't have gone along with it but i definitely would have been like but he's gonna help me right so like yeah he's creepy but like Maybe I maybe this is just the dues I have to pay. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe I would have gone that way too. Unfortunately, because you know, I don't know. It sounds like you had a really good sense of like when people were being creepy. Man. Well, gotta thank my mom for that. Honestly. Yeah, you have the best parents ever. <laughs> she really, they're so good. Well, it's nice when people are honest about their experiences, even in you know, even if it's a, a gruesome way or yeah. you know. Not gruesome, but a very like hard honest. to hear or honest. Yeah, yeah. I feel like especially when it Upsetting. comes to like a, like a parent child situation. Mm-hmm. Like my mom, I think always wanted to be seen as someone who always made the right choices because then I would make the right choices. Mm-hmm. Instead, I always had this idea that like my mom could do no wrong when she was younger and that I was a screw up and things like that. And it wasn't until I was older when I had real conversations with her. Like she had told me that she lost her virginity on her wedding night. And I, like, never really believed it. But then, like, when I got older and I was having sex, like, we were able to start talking about that stuff. And I was like, I wish I would have known this when I was younger. Yeah. Because I feel like it would have made me feel less uh, wrong about the ways that I felt and the things that I wanted to do and, like, know how to handle certain situations better. Mm -hmm. But it's also, if you're a parent, it's your job to protect them. And each parent does that differently. Exactly. It's weird. Well, so Shirley Temple, we all know Miss Shirley. Do you know who uh, Arthur Freed is? No. Okay, so you need to watch the Judy Garland biopic because okay. he's in it a lot. And he's a dick. I hate him. <laughs> he was like chief of studio I thought producer. You were say you love him or something? He what? <laughs> I thought you were gonna say you love him. No, you fucking like by hate your him. face. You were like, <laughs> no, really? No, the, you the passion hate of hate is real. No, it's like <laughs> love and hate are so close together. I love it. Um, so. He's a dick and (laughs) he was like a choreographer, director, producer, studio chief of Mm -hmm. MGM, all those different things at at one point during his career. And 
Shirley Temple, I'm wondering if this was like around the Wizard of Oz time because Shirley Temple was actually cast as Dorothy for a short period of time and taken away from Judy, then given back to Judy. So when Shirley was 12 years old, she was meeting with MGM, which is weird because I think she was part of 20th Century Fox. That sounds right. Which they typically didn't want to give her up. So I wonder if this is when Wizard of Oz was happening. He exposed himself to her when she was 12. 12. 12. Um, But I was looking Uh. up like Shirley Temple drugs and things like that. Like 20th Century Fox doesn't come up a lot. And she, it seems like, I mean, had a crazy childhood because she was Shirley fucking Temple. Right. But like didn't go through... She came out with a good head on her shoulders. It kind of seems and like it's it. it's kind of shocking, too. Yeah. I mean, I know she has a book I have not read, but um, I think my mom's read it. Um, I don't know what it's called, but Shirley <laughs> Temple Black now yeah. is her name. Um, so also Louis B. Mayer would insist that Judy Garland sit on his lap. And her dad died when she was really young, and I'm pretty sure he would make her call him, like, Papa or Daddy or something creepy like that. You know what? I feel like there there's a producer um, um, who produced children's shows on Nickelodeon who uh, would – I don't know. Maybe this was his inspiration because he would ask for actresses to sit on his lap and – you know, I think it, when you go back and and see what this man has made, Dan Schneider. <laughs> is Wait, it? who is this? Dan Schneider. Oh, when you fuck. go back, and I mean, it's it's been, it's been in the news, and it's been in the news, and when you go back, you can pick up his weird little fetishes in the <sighs> kids shows, and you know, kids are laughing at it and they think it's funny. But I had a friend who was asked to kiss another girl. Because it was funny, and for everything was because or, it's or on camera. no on on camera, and they're underage, and and it was all because it was funny or yeah. or funny to him, or he would spin it like it was funny. This seriously sounds like his inspiration, though. Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah. yeah, he would have her. I'm sure many others sit on his lap, and he'd be like, "My little hunchback." I'm like, "That's not endearing." Um, so. <laughs> Off. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So Ginger Rogers says that Harry Cohn, who's Columbia, once chased her around a desk making passes at her. Much like Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Marilyn Monroe referred to Hollywood as an overcrowded brothel. Are these just all like what they do as creeps naturally? Like, do they or well, do they pick up these ideas from the? I feel other like creeps? it's a power trip. Like, I don't even think it's about. I mean, yes, it's but like, about did Harvey creepy. Weinstein like discover that like running around the desk thing from past stories? Or I don't, I don't know because is, or is that just? Built I feel in like then? a psychopath or like a person who does this kind of stuff. Like, they can't believe that that's who they are. You know what I mean? Like, you're not you're not like it's like the rapist who doesn't actually think no she wanted it like you know what i mean you have Mm. to tell yourself these things keegan always uses the term um, mental gymnastics Mm. you go through mental gymnastics in your head to convince yourself that like you haven't done something wrong so i like that thank you i do too she comes up with lots of great things she's i miss you keegan she's so (laughs) smart um not that i'm not happy to be here with you Haley. i just miss her it's fine um so Marilyn was friends with Joan Collins and warned her of the wolves. And when Collins was opted, she was opted out of the role for Cleopatra because she refused to be nice to the head of Fox, Buddy Adler. And Buddy Adler also harassed 19-year-old star Rita Marino. Mm. So she's like, yeah, I didn't get the part because I wouldn't be nice. Which is such a fucked up way of saying it. But like, that's the only way you could say it back then, you know? Yeah. So another one that was really upsetting to me because I love Alfred Hitchcock movies Mm -hmm. so much. Well, he was a bit of a creep. Mm -hmm. Um, In 2016, Tippi Hedren wrote a memoir and she talks about being harassed by Alfred Hitchcock on the set of The Birds. Mm -hmm. And she says that he threw himself on top of her in a limo and attempts to kiss her. And he assaulted her again in a dressing room on their next movie in 1964. I can't imagine having Alfred Hitchcock just flop on you like so like do you ever have those breathe do you ever have those moments where like your vagina like sucks into itself (laughs) you just like clench (laughs) that's That's one of those things she goes revert no yeah my like (laughs) vagina muscles just went 
nope. into my body. Like, nope, that's not okay. Um, God, there was something else I was talking to someone else about, and I was like with someone I did not know, and I said that, and she received it so well. I was like, thank God, because sometimes I say things where I don't realize that other people are going to think <laughs> it's really weird. I'm like, my vagina just inverted into me as you said that. And she was like, oh my God, I know that feeling. I'm like, thank God. I know that feeling. So, in 1972, this actress, Maria Schreider, was filming with Marlon Brando and director Bernardo Bertolucci on the movie Last Tango in Paris. Mm-hmm. And they were to film a sexually heavy scene, but neither Marlon Brando or the director Bertolucci told her that they were going to be filming that scene. So Marlon Brando just like jumped on her and they both knew about it and were in on it. And it looks if you I haven't seen the movie, but I was reading something where it this. says, have you heard this? Where yes. it looks like they're having sex. Yes. And there was this whole thing about him raping her on screen. A lot of people believe, believe mm-hmm. that he actually did. So there was investigation to see if he did or not. And it was like a simulated sex scene. But still, that's fucked up. Can you so imagine? Like simulated rape. I mean, if you yeah. don't if you don't know, it's like, hey, surprise sex scene. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Surprise sex scene is a surprise that, rape that's scene. That's rape. Yeah. In a way. Oh my god, did I ever tell you about the f- I'm probably going to cut this cuz we're going to go really long. Oh no, we're good. Okay. <laughs> did I ever tell you about my first student film I ever did? No. Okay. So, I'm 18 years old. I'm like 2 weeks into living in LA and we had this like casting call with like the directors in the filmmaking program. And so they could do short films and hire us as actors for them, whatever. So I was cast as the little sister in like a live action kind of anime inspired like action movie. And Mm -hmm. I was like, this is dope. I'm totally down. I was the little sister whose brother was rescuing her from these like samurai guys. And I was like, I'm down. Sounds great. So I show up. It's like, Eight in the morning, the guys have been practicing their like sword fighting since like six in the morning and we're like starting to film. You've shot like a few scenes and of course they didn't get a permit and we're it's fake knives, but it looks like they're knife fighting oh, no. in a parking garage. So we get shut down. Right. So the director is like plan, come or? plan B. No, just the security. Okay. But we get shut down. Yeah. Director's like plan B love story. You ready for this love story? Okay. So I'm the only girl on set. It's me and a bunch of dudes. And I played this girl. It was a, it was a silent film. It just had music, black and white, 35 millimeter film, whatever, first student film kind of thing. And I'm sitting with like my friend and then he puts his arm around me and tries to kiss me. And I'm like, ew, no. And then I'm all distraught, so I go to my, like, two other guys' friends' house. Again, this is all silent. There's no dialogue or anything. I go over to, like, my two other guy friends' house, and I'm like, so-and-so hit on me, and I'm really upset. Well, then one of them pulls his pants down, jumps on top of me, rips my shirt open, and starts simulating that he's raping me. Where my friend Josh, who's a listener of the show, um, and we would talk about this years later and him just being like, I felt so uncomfortable and uncomfortable for you. He's acting like he's filming it. So then what do you do after you've just been raped by your two best friends? You go back to the guy that was hitting on you earlier in the movie. I jump into his arms. No, making out with him. so problematic. It's like, what was this guy's? thought process what were they thinking wait it gets worse (laughs) so i jump into his arms we're making out we go onto the bed like the doors open and i and again it's insinuated that we have sex it was literally the camera was a steady cam moving around the bed of just us making out and it kept going back and forth back and forth for probably 10 minutes straight of making out so you're like am i in porn now pretty much i mean i wasn't naked i was fully clothed through all of it (laughs) i wore a tank top and like tucked the straps in like there was nothing like i was fully clothed thank god um (laughs) But it was just like making out for 10 minutes is hard, guys. Like just straight. Um, And then I wake up and I'm so distraught from the events of the day that I go to the kitchen. I grab a knife. I slit my wrist and I die. Wow. And then the guy, the best friend guy, wakes up like, was it a dream? No way. (laughs) And I used one of those switchblade combs as the knife dipped in chocolate sauce. Wow. That was the night. You know, men's thought process like that can be really shocking sometimes. Not all men, obviously. I know some very smart ones. Yeah, but I know. Jeez. But like... I had a I had a boy ask me on a set once, 
And granted, he was playing dumb boy. <laughs> Jesus. So, for Megan and I are waiting downstairs um, in this, you know, green room, and we've been waiting for hours, and just, like, it's one of those days on set where, like, nothing's really going yeah, right. Yeah, you're just there. Yes. And, um, you know, it's indie movies, so we're all sitting together in the same room, and and this guy who plays Dumb Boy goes, um, which is <laughs> Hi, my fitting. name is John, and I'm playing the part of Dumb Boy. Um, he goes, uh, I just, like, I want to know what's worse from, like, like, a woman's perspective. Like, like, or, like, what, like, if you had to pick one, like, would you, like, rather have to be, like, beaten or raped? I'm not kidding. It's like, would you rather be and drowned or burned? We, yeah, and we just looked at him like, is that neither? Please? A serious question. He was yeah. like, he was like, no, no, no. Like, I know that they're both awful. And then he starts, you know, getting on some feminist shit where he's yeah. like, they're both awful. Like, they're so they're both but, like, really bad. And I was just like, I am so sorry. I do not get your point or why no. you even said those words. Dorothy's wants to jump on you so bad. Can you? She can if you move a little bit. She'll jump on the on the thing. That's how she gets onto the couch. Come on, D. Come on, you got it. There you yeah. go, good girl. All right, but you need to shut yeah. up. You need to be quiet. That's it. That's and it. if you bother Haley, I'm putting you back you on the bed. Lay in this little nook. Okay. Oh, so Alfred Hitchcock had also forbid other male actors from speaking to Tippi Hedren. Oh, yeah. Which, like, that's such a mental mindfuck. And, like, she's isolated. Like, you're working... If you're a woman on a set, you're working with a ton of dudes. And insecure much, Alfred? I know, right? (laughs) Um, Have you seen him? (laughs) I get why. It's true. Um, Oh, but we we were on to Bernardo Bertolucci. I just missed that part of Alfred Hitchcock. Whatever. Oh, are you going to bury your bone? That's good. Yeah, go bury your bone. So, we're going to talk about drugs. Let's talk about drugs. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about drugs. Um... So I started reading this article where it was talking about Debbie Reynolds and I was like, no, no. Yes. Well, okay, but I'm sh- I think she did do some drugs and stuff, but this made me very proud. So she was doing Singing in the Rain, which is one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorite movies that Max has Love never it. seen. I can't believe that. What the fuck? I'm going to make him watch that tonight. It. He's going to be so mad at me, but I might it's be like, such a good movie. Oh, he really shouldn't be because he it's hates brilliant. musicals. But this, I mean, you can just get so engrossed in his tap dancing so gene kelly man like i said he can tap dance my pants right off (laughs) so good um so she's doing singing in the rain and her star just like skyrockets Mm -hmm. and she's working crazy hours of course um and so she goes to arthur freed the Mm -hmm. guy i was talking about earlier and he says that she should or no okay wait backtrack she goes to the doctor her doctor. And her doctor says, you need to take a week of rest. No work. Chill. Whatever. She goes to Arthur Freed and says this. And he goes, no, no, no. You need to go to my doctor. He's going to put you on some vitamin shots. Oh. Yeah. Drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Hold it a little bit closer to you. You mean drugs. I do mean drugs, Haley. Thank you. <laughs> it's like an after school special. You mean drugs? You mean <laughs> drugs. Drugs. <laughs> um, and so she in the end decided to listen to her actual doctor and did not go on these vitamins and Reynolds Smart recalls, woman. right in her 2013 memoir, she says, these are possibly the same vitamins that ruined Judy Garland. Yeah. Getting to Judy Garland from 1937 to 1943, Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney had made nine movies together just for the Andy Hardy series. This is not including the movies they did without each other. And Judy was 15 years old when this started and when she started doing all of these Andy Hardy films, they would give her uppers and downers and diet pills and kept her on a very strict uh, low calorie diet. So she was just really unhealthy. Mm. And um, Judy told her biographer, Paul Donnelly, she says, they'd give me and Mickey Rooney pills to keep us on our feet long after we were exhausted. Then they'd take us to the studio hospital and knock us out with sleeping pills. Then after four hours, they'd wake us up and give us pet pills so we could work 72 hours in a row. Half of the time, we were hanging from the ceiling, but it was the way of life for us. I know. 72 hours. I'm wondering how legit that is because, like, she was on a lot of drugs. Right. She, I mean, and... As I think most of us know that drugs were Judy's downfall. That's the reason mm-hmm. she passed away. She was put on those drugs so young. Her her mother definitely put 
um, a lot of pressure on her when it came to drugs and everything. So it was something that for her and for a lot of other young stars that it started so young and it was just her downfall forever and ended her life. And it's awful. Um, director producer David O. Selznick was notorious for having a steady diet of Benzedrine to get him through long hours mm. of making movies such as Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Yeah. Good shit. Good shit. Good shit. Good old <laughs> Benzedrine, right? So in 1970, the amphetamine use was curtailed by the Controlled Substance Act and then they turned to speed and cocaine. So. Wow. Yeah. And then when I moved to L.A., <sighs> I thought that cocaine was such like a 90s thing. Oh, right. I mean, every party I went to when I was younger would have like a coke room. It's shocking. I was like, what the fuck? Same. I mean, it it really is crazy the amount of people who come out to Los Angeles to pursue this type of career so yeah. young. And just all of the things that are kind of waiting there for yeah. you. The bad things yeah. that are just there. That are there. That like, I got dodge. offered so much. And it's, like, also for people that have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they're just around that so easily. And mm-hmm. the people that went to my school, a lot of them had a lot of money. And that's how they could afford to go to the school. And a lot of them were foreigners. And, like, I've just had conversations with people where, like, we're having a conversation like you and I are. And then they're just like... Oh my blah, 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 blah. god! Like it's so weird, and wow. I'm just—I've never done coke. I don't Neither think I'm I. ever gonna try it. <laughs> I mean, I don't no. think so. But whatever. Yeah, I, it's crazy. I mean, the schools that Max and I grew up going to in Dallas—I mean, they didn't have drugs. Maybe they had really crappy weed, but like, yeah, that's, that's kind it. of like it, like really crappy. But other <laughs> than that, like, yeah. You know, here I I've babysat some kids that you know go to schools that I'm like you know I I've known people that went to those schools I know how they were acting yeah in that grade I know what they were doing and, and they they have money in those I schools, feel like so teenage pregnancy was definitely very prevalent drugs were probably prevalent too but definitely teenage pregnancy at my school oh yes did you um because you went to roseville you had the pregnancy we didn't have a room they did when pete went there but um we didn't have a room but there was definitely a lot of pregnant youngsters running around it was pretty crazy but also it became very normal right and i think it kind of made a lot of us more sympathetic at the same time too but yeah i (sighs) I think it's good for kids to grow up in schools like that too yeah it's like you can't shelter kids too much Mm -hmm. yeah so, all right, we're going to head on talking about racial discrimination a little bit. Okay. Um, so in 1942, Lena Horne became the first African-American actress to land a studio contract. She was also the first black actress to be portrayed as glamorous and not as a typical slave, servant, or primitive woman. Wow. Which is something about the word primitive mm-hmm. that I'm just like, well. Yeah. Oh, so she made a name for herself before her film career as a singer. Mm-hmm. But even so, MGM wouldn't give her the parts that she rightfully deserved mm-hmm. and like, is still going on <laughs> yeah right exactly right preach girl Crazy. so <laughs> hopefully the tail end but now yeah. it's like the other way where it's like let's get every youtuber and vine star on every show oh, it's so true um so <laughs> she wanted a role of a mixed race singer in the showboat and it went to white actress ava gardner was playing a mixed race woman Ava Gardner, Ava Gardner did that. Yeah. What did well, they? Well, so did Natalie what was Wood. Her, right. Yeah. I don't know the movie. It was right. the movie Showboat. I don't know. And Natalie, I this is this isn't great, but Natalie Wood. I when I first saw West Side Story when I was so young, I didn't realize because it, it just you know. Oh no, but, yeah. I didn't realize at all. I love when her. you get down to it. It is. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, weird. we talked about Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's earlier, and then mm-hmm. there's there's so many more, and like we could go into blackface and stuff, but this episode would be so long. Um, so did Ava Gardner do that? Yeah, she did the role. I mean, this was back in 1951. But what was the? Ma- I mean, she's a she very was white a, girl, a mixed race singer. What was her makeup like? I don't know. She's a very white girl. I'm gonna look up Ava Gardner in Showboat. It looks like she. It looks like they're almost trying to make her look. Latina? That's what I'm A I was little thinking. bit, right? Yeah. Margarita Carmen Cancino. Know who that is? Mm-mm. Well, listen, because you will. So, was signed on to Fox, but had little luck there. 
When her contract was up, she tried Columbia Pictures, where Harry Cohn transformed her into, drumroll please. No, no, no. Rita Hayworth. Oh, yay. Yeah. Yeah. Her real name is fucking Margarita Carmen Cancino. Wow. Because she's Latina. But yeah. he wanted to, to hide that. Yes. He wanted to make her into this like Marilyn Monroe-esque. No, did she? What'd she do? That was Rita Marino, wasn't though. it? No. Wait, who did you just say? Natalie Wood. I'm no. talking about Rita Hayworth. Oh. Red sorry. hair. Right. I got the, the Ritas mixed up. Yeah. Okay. Rita is a character in West Side Story. Is there an actress named Rita in West Side Story? Rita Marino. We'll look it up later. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Rita Hayworth had to, to become Rita Hayworth, Margarita had to lose weight, dyed her hair red, and went through a painful procedure to raise her hairline because a low hairline is apparently seen as too, and I quote, ethnic. Wow. Yeah. Crazy, right? Um, as Rita, she became a star and became known as the love goddess. How terrible that must feel, too. Yeah, she made she had no success as who she really was. Mm -hmm. And then they completely changed who she was. And mm -hmm. she was like an overnight sensation. It's as now we're fighting, you know, to be who you are. Yeah. And purely, you know, like we're fighting for who truth. you are, but like in a box. It's like, because I feel like even so, it's like we want to tell movies about like the Latino culture and about transgender people and all of these other stories, yet it's like within boundaries, mm. I feel like still. Mm. And it's like, for me, I'm always like, there's so many talented like trans actors, even like friends that I know that like don't get cast as trans people. Yeah, that just one, don't get that's cast. really upsetting. You know what I mean? Or uh -huh. And it's the same thing with like somebody of another ethnicity being cast as something that they're not mm -hmm. when there's a plethora of people that are so talented that you could pick from. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I feel like that's something we still very much deal with today, but less of like, let me make you look white, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. thankfully, or thankfully. let me make you look black. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Um, so my last little bit that I looked up was that Harry Cohn, again, Columbia asshole, refused to let black singer Sammy Davis Jr. be in a relationship with his blonde star, Kim Novak. Mm -hmm. Cohn put Novak through a similar process as Hayworth, forcing her to completely change to fit the mold he wanted. Novak didn't listen to Cohn, so Cohn would have security sit outside of Novak's house to make sure that Sammy Davis Jr. didn't get in. And then while Novak and Davis were going to great lengths to protect the details of their relationship, Cohn was grasping to destroy it. In January 1958, with a final attempt to eliminate the couple's affair, Cohn called in a favor from his mobster friends. <sighs> Mickey Cohn, boss of the Cohn crime family, contracted Davis's father, Sammy Davis Sr., to inform him if of the con of the contract hit on his son. Cohen told David Sr., Davis Sr., wow, that if Davis doesn't marry a black woman within 48 hours, he would take out his other eye and break both of his legs. I have no words. And they like, fucking I I won. Like, they didn't, they didn't keep dating. They won. They totally won that, like, argument. Mm. Isn't that sad? It's so sad. Because he didn't want his, like, pretty white blonde actress dating right. Sammy Davis Jr. Just a bunch a of terrified white men wanting the world to be the way that they wanted it to be. I know. Well, that's all the notes I have. Do you have anything else to add? I was like, what about Woody Allen? Yeah, I mean, that was, I was reading about him, but like it's it wasn't in the golden era, but talk to me about Woody Allen, because I only know he married his adopted daughter? Yes. I don't know a whole lot about um, it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know enough to like properly... I guess speak on it, but I grew up loving Woody Allen movies right. and not knowing this. And I guess it was probably like five years ago or something that I'm like coming up with articles and, you know, seeing the stories and it is, it's one of those things where, I mean, that, that is someone who for me and a lot of other women I know that we've always wanted to work with. Yeah. And when you find out that someone that you've always wanted to work with is fucking awful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Um, do you remember when Selena Gomez did a movie with him? I and do. then she was like, I like to separate people's personal and lives I put from their work lives. In that situation, and I just thought, 
as much as, I mean, if I did a Woody Allen movie, that would be my big break. So I'd be saying, and that no. would be really hard. And I'd be saying, no, I know, but big break. But, but honestly, Haley, it wouldn't, be, worth it it wouldn't be your big break because people would shit on you. Oh, exactly. like the media would go haywire, and it would be right. Like professionally, the- people would probably be like, she. You would be seen. You would probably get a lot of recognition. But like, as far as in the media, that would be such like a scarlet letter. You know what I mean? It would be. A lot of people, thankfully, now are very and much like we I don't think. approve of that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, very much. And it's and crazy. It's, it's glad. I mean, it's a, it's a good thing that it's it's getting. Yeah. Point. Have you started watching the R. Kelly documentary yet? I've not, and I really want to. It's crazy. If we have to wait for Max a little bit more, I'll turn the episode on so we can watch one. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've known about R. Kelly for a while, and I always thought it was weird that he was like married to Aaliyah when she was fifteen and yeah. all this kind of stuff. But it's like he kind of just got away with it, and people are saying like, "Oh, well, why are we only focusing on him when there's so many of these people?" And it's like because you have to put focus somewhere for there to then be a a wider conversation mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't watched Surviving R. Kelly, it's really fucking good. Um, it's definitely a bit disturbing, but mm-hmm. um, it's really good because he would just like go to high schools and malls and pick up girls. Wow. So gross. So, mm. Haley, thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you. I feel so happy to have you this all here. We'll have to do another one when Keegan's here because you guys need to meet so I bad. Know. I can't believe we haven't met. I know. I want, they, she just met Max last week. Oh, good. Yeah, finally. It was brief, but finally. It was when we went out and I got really drunk before I had to record. Amazing. So Max had to drive me. Perfect. Um, perfect. But we'll do a karaoke night or something sometime soon. They're crazy for karaoke. Love it. So, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Haley for being here. Thank you. Oh, my God. Stop. Um, I got to teach her the outro really quick. So I say and with that being said we encourage you and then both of us will say to rage on okay so you're gonna say to rage on okay so with all of that being said we encourage you to rage on bye guys Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.